Hello, and welcome to Las Doctoras podcast, bringing you conversations about race, gender, sexuality, reproductive justice, and so much more. I am Dr. Renee Limas, gender pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Christina Rose, gender pronouns she, her, hers. In this podcast, we are going to share space with women and other people of color to discuss ways to dismantle all systems of oppression, including white supremacist, capitalistic, cis-heteronormative patriarchy. We imagine ourselves sitting at the table in our abuelita's house, sharing a pot of frijoles de la olla and chasing that with a shot of tequila, all while thinking up revolutionary ideas. That's the sentiment we hope to bring you, and we invite you to join us on this journey. Bienvenidos. Hello, and welcome to our third episode here at the Last Actores podcast. We are coming back from our holidays with our families, um, and we are working on so many good things for this new year. We're grateful to have your support, family, friends, followers. It's really exciting to see so many people listening to our podcast, and we're honored to be a part of your world. This is the second part of our interview with Cindy Lukeen, and in this section, we discuss hormonal contraception, the nuances, the issues, and we reflect on our personal stories, too. We get into how it's been used um, as a tool of disempowerment, and how that has led to women really disconnected from their bodies, particularly women of color. Themes that resonated with me and I continue to think upon are intentional miscommunication, shame, anxiety, and then trauma-informed dialogue, informed choice, and with that taking back our power. You know, our goal here at Las Doctores is that um, our listeners and our students We'll begin to understand the nuances of all these different topics we bring into the table, particularly this one, and how by having these conversations, you will be able to make more conscious choices in your life about what you do with your body and what you put into your body. This is why we have this Las Doctoras podcast, why we have our Las Doctoras class, and um, we are grateful to have you here. We hope you enjoy this interview. This episode is brought to you by Las Doctoras online class at Teachable entitled Reclaiming Our Cycles. If you have enjoyed any of what we've been discussing in the last few episodes or any of it resonates with you, then this class would be great. We have extended our 30% discount until the end of January, so please take advantage of that price while it lasts. Just a reminder that in this course, we present a historical timeline of traditional menstrual practices the impact of colonization on these traditions, and you will also get practical tools to begin learning about the fertility awareness method. You will get all of this in four audiovisual lessons, a resource list, two meditations, a writing prompt, and so much more. Please go to lasdoctoras.teachable.com to sign up or email us at lasdoctorasonline at gmail.com for any questions. So welcome back. We just want to, before we get started in this next section, just uh, thanks, Cindy, again, for being here. Thank you for telling us your story. Mm-hmm. Um, both Christina and I think that these stories are just so important to give context to the experience of, of reproductive health. 
for people in general, uh, for people of color specifically. Um, and Christine and I hope to share our stories at some point um, to give context what brought us to this work and why we're so invested. And, you know, I think we've talked a lot about our birth stories, but for me, I'll say that it was long before my birth that, mm-hmm. that I was brought to this work. So definitely you know. just very, if I could just say, just yeah. so inspired, like thinking about how, when we speak about the trauma in our lives, um, and naming it, talks, sharing it, that story, it really changes um, not just our lives, but like the people around us. Yeah. 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 Well, thank, thank you for, for thank you. allowing me space to share my story. <laughs> so, we want to get into talking about something <laughs> complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Always. Because mm-hmm. I think we can't have this conversation. And let me just ground what this conversation about is about again. So we're talking about fertility awareness, being um, aware of the way our bodies work. It's a very simple thing, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take our course, <laughs> our guest lecturer, Cindy, will give you a really good mm-hmm. lecture on, like, introducing, right? Yeah. The, There's animations. <laughs> and, and pictures, yeah. There's, it's, you know, an introduction to the nuances of, of, fertility awareness and using this as a method not just to prevent pregnancy or to get pregnant but really just to understand your body and to understand the flow of menstruation Mm -hmm. the changes in your menstrual cycle all that kind of stuff health just in general general health Mm -hmm. right like we don't realize how much our reproductive health plays into our general health right and it plays such a central role to that and so getting into that, we, we do think that it's important to talk about the pill mm-hmm. and, um, and all the complicated stuff around the pill and, you know, maybe starting with a little bit of the history. So the pill came out, correct me all if I'm wrong, the 60s, mm-hmm. yeah. or at least to the masses, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah, the quote unquote masses. Yeah. yeah. And um, the 60s... You know, we talk a lot about the 60s as the free love, right, mm-hmm. and the sexual liberation. Mm-hmm. And part of that was is often connected to the availability of the pill. Mm-hmm. And yet what's not uh, part of that conversation is accessibility to that, mm-hmm. right? And that, in fact, sexual liberation, right, the quote-unquote sexual liberation in the 60s was really white-centered, right? Mm -hmm. This was white feminism. And, um, you know, so even if the pill was available, who could actually afford to take it? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Who had accessibility to it? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's – and then on top of that, who, you know, looking at the history of medical experimentation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, we can go – Far back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the ways in which black slave women were experimented on. For gynecological advances. For gynecological advances for white women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. black women were being experimented on procedures. And what we know about modern gynecology is on the backs of these of these women. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would um, say on the... Depended on the wombs of these women. Too. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Yeah. 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 And it's the way they're, they were dehumanized. Mm-hmm. And many of that information or men, much of that literature is still in medical textbooks mm-hmm. today. Yeah. yeah. I always want to make that clear. It's not like, oh, 
somehow somebody figured out how racist this they was and they <laughs> right. threw it out. No, it is still in medical textbooks mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. There are still doctors who practice with that kind of background today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then getting into the pill, um, the pill was all, or any kind of hormonal contraception has often been tested on women of color, on communities of color. I know specifically, I think the Depo Provera was mm-hmm. tested on Native women. Mm-hmm. And we're talking like very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want me to yeah, go ahead. divulge a little bit more? Yeah, so um, when I came into this work, I... Like we mentioned earlier, I found that it was like very white woman centered. Mm. And so then I started thinking like what my curiosity was always like, well, how did the pill even come to be? Because that's something we never hear. It's like the pill, like it's it's become so well known that it's literally the pill and people know what you're talking about, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. At least in this country. It's like, uh-huh. it doesn't have, you don't have to say the other names like Yasmin, yes, uh-huh, or, like, uh-huh. or, or you don't even have to say birth control pill. You just say the right, pill. the pill. And so um, when I started just reading different books, I, I came across, so the pill was actually developed by, well, let me, let me let's go back a little bit more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so indigenous women, I think specifically Nahuatl Mexican women, and mm. anybody could correct me if I'm wrong, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, actually would use wild yam roots as a way of contraception. There was a method that they used to like create a way that they could ingest it. Mm-hmm. And that was used to like, to, to basically, yeah, to, to prevent pregnancy mm. when they didn't want to anymore, um, to have children. So, um, I think around, I want to say the early 50s or maybe late 40s, there was a scientist, this um, white male, and he was out in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he realized that these Native women were using this. And he decided, oh, let me see if I can make a synthetic version of this. Of course. So, he took it, he took the wild yamru, and he discovered that there was a chemical component in there that basically mimics the hormones of, like, tricking your body into pregnancy, mm-hmm. which is basically mm-hmm. what the pill does, mm-hmm. right? It shuts down ovulation, all that. So, he, he made, he created that, then um, with that testing, then jumping forward some years, like the mid-50s, they did some testing here in the U.S. first, but then they realized, like, this is actually kind of dangerous and people weren't, like, about to fund that type of thing. I, I don't know all the details, right? Mm-hmm. So what they found, a loophole, they're like, okay, we can't do it here. Let's go test it in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rico's going through tons of poverty. Let's go the, to the most, like, the poorest part of Puerto Rico right now. Mm-hmm. These women are, are poor. Um, their economy is falling. It's because they're overpopulated, yep. you know? So if we can get away to, if we can get there and find a way for them to control their population, aka stop making them have babies, mm-hmm. then their economy will pick up, and you know all these things. Right? So really quick, there's a documentary La Operacion mm-hmm. that talks about both the ways in which population control or population was controlled by uh, experimenting with the birth control pill and, um, sterilization and sterilization. And it is available on YouTube. Yes. It's in four parts. It's in Spanish, but, um, you know, there's some, I know my students, I was showing to my students and they, they were able to watch a version that had the subtitles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So La La Operacion is really good. Um, yeah. So, so that's what they did. And, 
through those tests, they found that all these women ended up being sterilized because the pill form that we have today is not what it was uh-huh. then. It, it was actually like 10 times stronger than what it is today. So that had negative effects on these women's bodies, right? And they weren't told and there was a whole language barrier and la operación really goes into all of that. So then they realized, well, nobody died, so it's fine. We'll bring it back. The <laughs> FDA had approved it. And then that's when they just distributed to it to everybody. And I think to this day, it's like the number one prescribed medication wow. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think three years in, it had been something like, I don't know, like three million women were already on the wow. pill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was a crazy number, like yeah. it, like rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought Viagra or something like that would be like, <laughs> <laughs> this is astonishing. Yeah. 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 No, of because, course it is. Yeah. I mean... Historicizing it is really important, mm-hmm. but putting it in its like modern usage, mm-hmm. like context. So you're saying like that within three years mm-hmm. it was available, and now not only is it probably most used by women, but it's being used by younger and younger girls. Yes, it's being prescribed for other reasons other than preventing pregnancy. Now, now it's like let it's going to help clear up your acne. It's um, going to get rid of your ovarian cysts. Yes, it's going to regulate, <laughs> regulate your hormones, your period, which are all false. The The pill was constructed in a way to basically the period that you get is a fake bleed. It's a withdrawal bleed. It's not a real, it's not your natural cycle at all. And this was engineered in a way because they actually could have engineered it where you don't have a period at all. Which we see with the Diprovera and mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. Uh, hormonal contraceptives. The implant. The implant. Mm-hmm. There was a way to, that they could have done that. But they thought, hmm, this is going to seem abnormal for women. So we'll give them the period so that way they feel like, okay, this is still what my body's doing and all this stuff. Right? So let's, I want people to hear this. <laughs> because <laughs> this is such a vital information. So number one, you said it does it being prescribed to regulate period is false. Mm-hmm. It does not regulate your period. It shuts down ovulation mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you a false a period. false period. That mm-hmm. period that you have, particularly on the pill, is not a real period bleed. Right. Mm-hmm. What did you call it again? What is it? It's called? a withdrawal bleed. It's a withdrawal bleed because when you not on hormonal contraception, right? Your uterine lining builds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Egg gets released. So when you have your period, right, all of that comes out, right? Yeah. The lining or the shedding of the uterine, uterine lining. lining. Mm-hmm. When you are on hormonal contraception, not only does it prevent the egg from coming out, right, but it also prevents, correct me if I'm wrong, the uterine lining from building. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of the details. I don't think that the uterine lining works the same. Right. Is basically what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So the way, the reason that it shuts down your natural hormones is because when we think about like our reproductive system, there's communication with our like gonads, which are our sexual (laughs) glands, (laughs) you know, going a little bit like more scientific, just so people can understand. No, this is good. (laughs) Um, So... The stem of your brain is called the hypothalamus, and that's actually where the communication starts. So when you hit puberty, then that's when the communication goes to your pituitary gland, which is like between your your eyebrows, right? Mm -hmm. Then that goes to your thyroid, which is in your neck. And then that communication goes down to your ovaries, 
So the pill stops all of that communication. And that's how you you suppress hormones. So what you're saying is there's no connection between the brain and your reproductive organs? Yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah, that's what it's doing. And then that's why we see a lot of these connections with, like, now mental health contributes. Uh-huh. You, you find, like... The likelihood of having mental health issues is mo- is at a higher risk when people are on the pill. That makes complete sense. <laughs> this is, I mean, this Literally. is this is why this is it's it's so important, but it, it is so complicated. But mm-hmm. the thing I want to go back to before we go on is that when the creators of the pill consciously said. We know people who take the pill are going to be uncomfortable with not having any period. So let's put these seven day of a sugar pill <laughs> into that pack, which is nothing, right? It is it is a placebo. It yeah. does nothing. You don't even have to take it. You don't, yeah. Right? And But the creators of the pill put that in purposely to give the illusion of a period so that people would be much more comfortable taking the pill. Yeah. Albeit, like, trying to, I mean, really coming from a place of control, right? Absolutely. Total misogyny. Total misogyny. It, it is. Talk about it, that. It, it, it is. It's like, if you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, let's give these women something so they don't complain. Ah. Uh, you know? It's like, what? And isn't that the medical model? It is. I mean, totally to is. begin with. I mean, yeah. Christine and I have talked, I mean... About birth, right? It's often that, like, mm-hmm. when you're pregnant and you go in, it's like, oh, don't worry your pretty little head. Just come in <laughs> when you start to go in labor and we'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about mm-hmm. knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, don't worry about, you know, contractions. Just, just, we'll give you the epidural and it'll all be good, right? There's, there's this yeah. sense of, yeah, like. It's always trying to have women, I feel, like, historically, always in this, like, sedated state. Mm. you know like just just be flatlined mm. and you'll be fine and then I started thinking about like how many of us are flatlining in life <laughs> you know really like for real I think there's somebody else out there I'm not familiar with um, their name or I can't think of it that that refers to this work also as like yeah you flatline yeah you know sedation is such a strong word I really think yeah. about that in context, actually, in classes, we often talk about um, food disorders or eating disorders or thinness as, as a way of sedating, um, the, you know, the, the population, particularly the, the, the female population. Yeah, yeah. That, that's strong, um, for sure. Well, and because and, you got into talking about, like, uh, uh, mental, mental health, right? And mm-hmm. there's also... Um, like antidepressants, right, is also this form of sedation, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of feeling your feelings, just take a pill so you don't feel yeah. anything. So you feel normal. And and I and I wanna preface here before we go too much. Yeah <laughs> that is that um air quotes. Because and this is why this is such a complicated topic, right? I don't think any of us are anti antidepressant. No, no. Or no. anti anti pill. No. No. We are pro informed consent or informed yeah decisions yeah i'm I'm very like this work for me comes from like i want to meet you where you're at maybe you're at a place in your life right now where the pill is the best option but i want you to know all the information going into it because that's not the information i got yeah it's always like this pill will just solve it all yeah and it's not a big like 
It's it's just very nonchalant. Like, oh, just take a pill. There might be some side effects, but Blood it's clots. not. It's not a big deal. And as long as you stay healthy, otherwise, like mm-hmm. it's not, like mm-hmm. very. I mean, minimizing the risk. Minimizing the yeah, risk. Yeah. That's that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if they are told the risk, it's very very minimizing the risk. And I and I still think that even with that, I don't think that people are given the full information about mm-hmm. like in the pamphlet. Does it say these the side effects of? Uh, depression and anxiety. Mm-mm. I don't know as of late, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's in really fine print. If if it's in there. in this like big ass, yeah, and it's not like the doctors. Point. You're gonna go into the doctor's office and they're no. gonna be like, "Well, you might feel depressed. No. You might feel anxiety." Nobody explains it to yeah. you. And I started also thinking about like in this work because I'm like evolving as I as I as the years go by. I started <laughs> thinking about like this is just a problem in general of how this country approaches reproductive and sexual education Mm. yes Mm. you know like the responsibility has always been on women Mm. Uh but Uh i don't know if you both have noticed but over the years like the condom has been like oh no it's risky it's like 80 something percent really Mm -hmm. and it's like Uh we're not even like educating boys and men how to use it so Uh so and then we're also saying, like, well, the pill's there. So they all assume that everybody's going to just take the pill, and now I don't have to worry about anything. Yes. But what about STIs? Like, right. this is what I don't yes. understand. Like, we assume that getting pregnant is the worst thing that can come out mm-hmm. of any kind of sexual encounter. And, I'm like, and I, I mean, this can get into such larger things. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, the pill does not protect against STIs. No, right? it doesn't. And, and I think other populations, too, have done a really great job. Like, where is it? Japan? Like, mm. they primarily use condoms, and they seem to be doing it right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, they seem to be okay. Like, uh, like in Japanese engineer things, like, we know, like, top notch. So, <laughs> so, so is the problem with the condom that that it's not being used correctly, and so this is why the percentage... Yeah, it's always... Ba- uh, the way they, they um, like... I think the problem with the condom is male... Pleasure and sex, you know, and right. enjoyment. Well, no, and I think that, you know, getting to sex ed, where in that, it's not even that men are not, or boys are not taught, but it's also that we do have places in this country where no sex ed is taught at all, mm-hmm. right? So it's sort of this... Or it's like abstinence-based. As abstinence-based, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're just not going to teach anything. There's no sex ed at all. <laughs> so so right. then it's like, they don't even... Know how to, like, literally, they don't know how yeah. to use a condom. If it, a sex ed was, here's your body. Here, get to know it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Whether you have sex, intercourse or not, yeah. this is still it. That would be amazing, but yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like, is anybody showing boys, like, this is how to check the right size of a condom? Mm. You know, because if it's really, like, oh, typical use is, like, 80-something percent, like, are you getting the right size? <laughs> Because you always hear or stories using like breaking. Ex- oh, or no. using expired condoms yeah. because they do have an expiration date, mm-hmm. right? Like that can, there can be all kinds of. I'm sure there's even like the size matters kind of things. Like, oh, I'm going to get the extra large. I'm yes. going to fight with my boys. Yes. Actually, I don't know if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're assuming that they all go together. <laughs> I want. 
The yeah. extra large ones. That's, of course, the ones I need, right? I yeah, I'm sure that happens. I, I should actually have this conversation with my husband <laughs> and, and find out, like, how do you, as a male, grow up understanding yeah. I that? think I... I I don't want to put my husband too much on blast. <laughs> I think he said something like his father, like, I don't know if he gave him a pack of condoms or just advised him to use condoms. And that was like the extent of their sex conversation. I feel like it's the wedding night thing. It's like, oh, yes. here's your oh. here's, here's rite of passage. Here it is. Take it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Let me, so, let, not let me demonstrate a, on a banana or anything. Let me right. not show you actually how to use it. Like, here it is, you know? There's uh-huh. actually a website um, called luckybloke.com where it, you get fit to size. Really? Like, it's like a pretty instructional for anybody that's interested. It's a good resource. So I think know? as as mothers of... Mm. Yeah, boys. Mm. <laughs> this is right. very important yeah. information. Um, we're gonna be embarrassing. Oh, them, I can't but... even think about that. I didn't even think about this in the context of my child. Oh, I'm <laughs> always like, I'm gonna be that mom that's like, okay, look, this is you know, <laughs> right? I think mm-hmm. because if we're talking about like You're changing. We, we see this lack of onus on on boys yes. on men yes. and all the onus being on women to yeah. be in charge of you know fertility. And and we having boys and it is our responsibility to to shift that that conversation, shift that rhetoric, right? Yeah. Um it should be a collaborative yeah. effort. Yeah. Like just sex in general should be collaborative. Oh yeah. Well I mean Oh God. You know such a truth there. It's yeah. like here I am, what do you bring? Now let's work together to make sure or we have the best time let's have a, in this. And or let's maybe practice it's not gonna work. It, right? Or yeah. let's have a conversation about expectations, right? Because right. in my classes we often talk about consent. And I actually had well, he was maybe an older ish man saying something like, So what am I I'm supposed to ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and you're like Yes, and he was like, "But it's gonna ruin the moment." Oh, for him. Mm? <laughs> He's like, "But don't you think if they really didn't want it, they would say something?" And I was like, "Oh, lordy, mm, that's yeah." Interesting. It. I mean, you know, you get one of those students every once in a while, and you're like, "Okay, so I'm really starting from ground zero with you, <laughs> right?" <laughs> we need to construct like fifty years. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, and so I imagine he was probably in his thirties. Mm. So I mean, oh. Okay, I thought he was older. Like I thought 50s. he was like in his fifties or yeah. something. Olderish compared to my other students of is course. what I'm saying. Oh, no, God, right? Because I'm getting right. like eighteen, twenty year olds, Freshman. and then he's like thirty, and I'm like, so you're out there actually dating with this crazy? Yeah, I think a thirty year old asked this in my class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be like, yes, thank you for talking. You are showing everyone else this is the reason for this class. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think we need to. I think we need to. Yes, bring this into a different place. Because part of this conversation and what it's bringing up in me and what you spoke about, um, if you, you know, if the people who are listening to this take our online class is really situating this conversation in the Latinx perspective Mm -hmm. or in this language that is used both outside and inside the Latinx community around the hypersexuality, particularly Mm -hmm. of, in this context, Latinas, like yeah. yeah, really. I think that needs to be talked about. The dual message of they're just hypersexual, which yeah. we can talk about at length, and don't ever engage or look down there or, you know, get to know yourself down there. Like, yeah. that is just so real. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the dual message of 
Latinas are just innately sexy, right? And like innately curves, our shape, all of that, right? We can dance. Right. <laughs> we have rhythm. <laughs> this is true, right? It really this is. is. This is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Dancing wasn't allowed in my school, by the way, because dancing can lead to sex, you know. If you're not dancing for the Lord, then... <laughs> I mean, that's really what I heard growing up. Really? Yeah, if you're not dancing for the Lord, then what are you doing? <gasps> you're dancing for, like, the world, and God forbid you dance for the world. because Or yourself. Again, or for yourself, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's this concept like Latinas are sexy, are, are hypersexualized, are hypersexual. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, there's like shame around sexuality. Mm-hmm. Or even just hyperfertile. Oh, hyperfertile. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'll tell my story really quick. Yes. And I have no problems putting this Chicano professor on blast. <laughs> I was a TA for a Chicano professor, and he, I don't even know what the heck the lecture was about, but he said something. I think, I don't even know. I can't even remember, but he said something about. And I quote, Latinas are more fertile. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, what? <laughs> He's lecturing to like 250 students. Like, we can't just let this slide. And I had to raise my hand, mm-hmm. <laughs> being like the Chicana feminist in the, in the, you know, I was his TA. And so even from Chicano men, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, or even from Latino mm-hmm. men, right? Mm-hmm. There's this perception of, of hypersexuality. So that they're hyper fertile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like your rabbits just. Like any moment, it's gonna happen, and you're gonna have all your little bunnies running around. Like, what? so when we talked about the idea of being told that we can get pregnant at any time during our period, mm-hmm. and I said it was a fear tactic, I think that's this was this idea like, mm-hmm. well, you can't have sex because you can get pregnant at any time, yeah. mm-hmm. at any moment, and so just don't have sex, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And particularly, you Latinas, you the women of color, don't have sex because you could even get pregnant even more somehow. Yes. So yeah. be sexy, so, but don't be sexual. So or how don't do, be sexy, how do we, don't be sexual. How do we think this plays into the pill? I think that, I, I think about myself, like, I had been on the pill for so long, and I thought, even when I was on the pill, I'd still have those freak out moments like... Oh my god, it didn't come. It's yes. days. Like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. You know, like you're just like freaking out. 100%. Even though you know that that pill, if you take it the same time every day, it's gonna do its job. And, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and and when I read the work that I do now about like body literacy and fertility awareness, I thought, wow, I really wasted like six years of my life with unnecessary anxiety. Yes. What a waste of energy. Yes. When I really could have been doing something more. Perfect. When I could have, I was the same way. When I, mind you, my husband and I had been together forever. So when we were dating and, and I was on the pill and I would still, we would still use condoms. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to. And even then I was still scared. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because there was still such fear around getting pregnant young. Yes. Right? Pregnancy is seen as like a disease. A disease. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, for me, it was seen. A curse. Like, yeah. Yes. For me, it was seen like. Don't repeat what we did because yes. my parents were teenagers when they had me. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that I felt like the message that I got was like, si te toca uno, like the men in your family, like, you know, because mm-hmm. we have toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. like domestic violence, all that exists yeah. in like my family history. At least you'll have set like your degree, your education, yes. so you can get out of that. And you'll be mm. fine on your own. Yeah. That was really the message. Oh. I like, don't repeat that. what uh-huh. we did because we didn't have the opportunity to further our education, but now you will. Yeah. 
So there's there's this that, perception yeah. that having a baby young would ruin your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean that is the message I received yeah. from a certain family. Don't have a kid like me because mm-hmm. it'll ruin your life. And always be sure you can take care of yourself so you can get out of like yeah. situations yeah. that are unsafe. Yeah. Or I think too. I remember when I was young, and part of the fear around, like you said, spending so much of my twenties being. Ang- always anxious about getting pregnant even though I was on the pill even though I was using condoms even though I was in a monogamous relationship <laughs> right I have been in those moments I feel you when you're talking about it was it. it's such a yeah mm-hmm. and it was for me I like was your like life flashes before your oh eyes. yeah and yeah. I I remember praying oh yeah I've had lots of those being scenes. on my knees with my rosary please god don't let me be pregnant and I will say but I didn't want to be a Latina statistic. I didn't either. There was that number, right? There was that like, oh, Latinas drop out of college and they have babies mm-hmm. and then that, that's it. Yeah. Right? That's it. There was no sense that you could have a baby and still pursue mm-hmm. all these things, right? It and was like if you have a baby, and, yeah. that's it. Your life is over. Yeah. Yeah. I also did like on top of all of those things <laughs> that you said you did, I also at some point, I think twice, I went and I got plan B. I was like, nope, mm-hmm. this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wow. be safer. And and so, mm-hmm. like, I think of, like, how many people are still doing that. Yes. And what that does to our bodies. When we our bodies. Like, all these chem- – we're putting the pill already, on, you know, in our bodies. Yes. And now we're taking plan B. Which like, is, like, the pill times 20, yeah, right? Yeah. Do it? I wonder, like – Yeah. Yeah. I've had several conversations with other women, too, that are like, oh, yeah, same thing here. I've done that. When we talk about the pill, obviously it's complicated, but there's so much fear of pregnancy that it's easier to just, and it's not even easier to be on the pill. Obviously, we've all said we were on the pill and still freaked out about it, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like we really can't escape the fear then. There is no escaping the that anxiety of Not only that, pregnant. it's like you, you experience it in solitude. Yes. Like everyone's doing Ugh. the same thing, but you're all suffering in silence by yourself because you're ashamed to talk about it. Yeah, like there's no support. Like I couldn't go to a friend and be like, "Hey, I hear you." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Now like, we do it. Now we do it. Yeah, yeah now you can. But. So how many how many young people out there are are doing that? Right? They're mm-hmm. either on the pill or they're. Be- I think for me there was even the shame of having sex. Period. Mm-hmm. Or being on the pill, which is yeah. in so many like places, I remember right? I was on You're the pill in college, and I hid it from my mom. I lived with my mom, and I would like I would have mm-hmm. a box in my room with all like the pill things, mm-hmm. and it, like months and months collected. And then like one day she was in there, like go through in the trash <laughs> because I was afraid to even tie her that too, I was on yeah. the pill. I hate it too. I think this is probably the first interview where family <laughs> members listen like. Oh, you know, yeah. because like the idea of like you're a good woman, uh, you're a good daughter because you're pure. Uh, Forget the man; he can do whatever he wants. Uh, he can go test the waters, do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But the girl, yes. it says something about her family. It says something about like future generations. It's gonna like set her up right because she waited. <sighs> you know. What's occurring to me in this conversation here is really like the self-loathing, self-hatred or something that, that comes into play in these conversations, right? Because we are willing to, I mean, so many ways, like not eat, like take these toxic things, do these toxic things so that we can appear to be a certain way, right? Yeah. 
And the overall message is, yes, that's what you should do. You should, you know, appear a certain way. You should be thin. You should be pure looking. You should be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I hear that so much. I mean, you know, so my husband and I, we've been together since high school. Mm. And then we got married. And then we had kids. And there was a lot of people in our family who things didn't quite happen in that order. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so it was interesting because I don't know what we were watching last night, but I told, I told my husband, I said, you know that to some people – we are the image of like this perfect. You did it right. We did it right. No, I've actually had people tell me. Same here. You did it right. Same you, here. My wedding day. Me. Yes. I had a family member come up to me like, good for you. You did it right. Yeah. I was like, uh. And these were male <laughs> family members. We're the only ones that said it. And I was like, this is interesting. Uh. This is really interesting. This makes me think I'm not married. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a relationship. I have a child. Like how many? Sh- uh, how much of my family? Wait, because you were saying about I did not do it right. <laughs> but I went to school. I got my doctorate. Yeah, <laughs> I did that right. Yeah, <laughs> and and so how much? Of, how like you said the idea of, um, for appearance purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like yeah, you know I got married in the Catholic Church mm. in the white dress mm-hmm. in the you know mm-hmm. and every and we like. Very much this like appearance, but I I wonder too because we come from Latinx families, there was an extra pressure mm-hmm. to do it right because yeah. we're dealing with white supremacy as right. Well. You're yes. expected to like mess up, right? So you like if go you the fuck extra up, step. yeah. Like, like, oh, well, you, yeah, you messed up because you are who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you come from this bad. Like, if you mess up, you're gonna put us all in a bad light. Yeah. Right. Yeah, oh, you're just I a typical that. Latina. Get pregnant. Sure. Yeah. And so there's this extra pressure to even from our overperform. Just to how much over-perform. whitewashing, you know, phallocentric, you know, is in our brains. It is. It's just there. It's yeah. just hard to generationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. But this is the work of dismantling that, right? <laughs> We're doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. But yeah. being the person we needed when we were younger, I'm mean, also hearing that too. Like I wish I could like talk to my ten year old self and I do, you know, in my Yeah, me too. I have those little You're moments. all good. Yeah. You're yeah, good, Mihai. Like, like you're I feel like having this conversation on the pill, I don't wanna leave people hanging. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanna I wanna say what what do we leave people with about the pill? Like whether people are on the pill or when we say the pill, too, I think we're referring to any type of hormonal contraception, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's the IUD, the implant, the shot, which every, I don't think many people do the shot anymore because there's so many people that have, like, horrible side effects. I think that one's really? the worst. Yeah. And I feel like the IUD has been yeah getting a lot of kind stuff. Of creates, like, tension in your, right? Well, people saying that it's been getting lost. Oh, yeah. It's been getting missed. It migrates. Yeah, it migrates. It creates um, scar tissue also. And that's not even just, so there's two IUDs, right? There's a hormonal one, and then there's the copper one, which is... The Mirena, right? Is that what it is? I think so. And the copper one is supposedly because it's non-hormonal, so it's like the better option. But Mm -hmm. I hear that one's also... I Well, you know, because I think about it like at the end of the day, you're still putting something foreign in your body, and what is that copper doing inside? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. (laughs) You know, like really... Yeah. Um, well, what I want to leave people with is mm-hmm. just, I don't want people to feel ashamed if yeah. they are on the pill, if they do have an IUD or, or any type of device. Um, there is information out there and we're trying to do the work to yeah. provide it. So you have more of an informed choice. Yes. So you have more of, I like to say to have, I like to approach this work from a holistic perspective and I'm not only talking about like, 
non-toxic products and all that stuff but like really where are you in life where are your blockages in your body Mm -hmm. what are you willing to work on and then providing a plan where you feel like okay I can do this and like having these transitions like let's say you're on the pill now and you know that you don't want to be on it for Mm -hmm. a certain you know after a certain amount of time then what is going to be the plan and what will that look like yeah so that's liberated fertility Mm -hmm. and it's also reproductive justice right yeah on a personal level the way I tell my students, I say, don't be afraid to question doctors. Mm-hmm. If they're going to prescribe something, whatever it is, whether it's for the common cold or whether it's mm-hmm. for, you know, whether it's a pill, it's ask questions and then still go do your own research. Mm-hmm. Never be, I mean, Google is, I mean, yeah, there's some crazy stuff out there, <laughs> but I think there's enough good information out there yeah. and available, um, you know, to, to at least do some surface research and to just really be aware of what you're putting into your body Mm -hmm. and make very, very conscious choices, right? Never feel pressured to make certain choices. I think a lot of times people do because, oh, well, the doctor knows best and the doctor said to do this, so I should just listen to the doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, or they told me to take this, so if I don't, I'm going to, you know, there's a lot of pressure, I think, coming from a lot of places and it's just... Knowing that you have the option to ask mm-hmm. questions, yeah. to refuse to take something if you mm-hmm. don't want to, and to yeah. do your own research. I yeah. know there's space between yes and no for like pause and think a moment and mm-hmm. yeah, like actually consider like you do no, not many choices have to be made from a, like an immediate yeah position. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my god. I feel, I feel like love. there could be so much so much mm-hmm. more to be yeah. said. Like there could be more episodes. For sure, for and sure. Hopefully there will be in the future. But for now, yeah. maybe tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on my website. It's www.cindylukin. That's L U Q U I N dot com. And you can find me on Instagram. It's at Cindy underscore L-U-Q-U-I-N. That's where I'm most happy. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank thank you, you both for being here. So this has been Las Doctoras Podcast, episode two. Woo-hoo. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you again for being here with us on this third episode. We love these conversations we have here at the Las Doctoras Podcast, and we hope you do too. We want to make this information accessible and normalize these conversations. Thank you for joining us.